You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. College football today. Rivalry week is here. Week number six, top 25 battles, top to bottom later today. Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello live from New York. Big battle taking place in the SEC. Ed Ogeron on the hot seat. LSU coming off a disappointing 24-21 loss to Florida. Florida's looked very well. 1-3 straight over SEC competition. All eyes on the Gators at homecoming. But I'm all in. Would Eddie O and the LSU Tigers look for the upset later today in the Swamp? You know, I mean, listen, it's it's LSU. I mean, so <laughs> it, it, it wouldn't shock me. I mean, you know, we, we know what LSU's talent is like. We know how many players on this roster will wind up in the NFL. But I look at the lack of physicality. I haven't seen it at the line of scrimmage. You know, has there been an Arden Key sighting so far this no, year? No, no. He's played, but he's he, played. Hasn't, he hasn't been a it's dominant remarkable. force. Now, Darius Geis, I can't get on. He hasn't been healthy. But the two players that we thought would be leading LSU this year, Geis on offense has not been 100%. Arden Key, admittedly coming off a shoulder injury during the offseason. But I don't think he came into this year in game shape. And, and I've begun to wonder if Arden Key, regardless of what he does this year, Joe, I think he'll be a first-round draft choice next year. I almost wonder if he's kind of tapping the brakes a little bit this year. And as the season gradually slips away and the offseason goals dissipate, I wonder if you're going to get the Arden key that we expected and we've seen as a pass rusher, as an edge rusher over the last couple of years. Another thing to keep in mind is, you know, Matt Canada was supposed to solve the offensive woes in Baton Rouge. Here's a newsflash. Matt Canada doesn't have a good quarterback. I mean, Danny Etling is a very average quarterback. He's not Nathan Peterman, who Canada had at Pittsburgh last year. Listen, Florida, the key for me, they're running the football. Okay, we don't have to worry about Luke Del Rio. We don't have to worry about Joe Lisi gushing about Luke Del Rio this week because he's out for the season. Felipe Franks is in there. He's got a bigger <laughs> arm. But over the last three games, Joe, averaging more than 180 yards on the ground. Michael P. Ryan, Malik Davis looked great last week. So Florida's running the ball. They're playing defense. I think they continue to survive. They beat LSU. Eddie O's woes continue today. Well, I feel everybody's got a bad read on Florida. They they sold them from Michigan straight through this week, and they've gotten some monumental victories. The Hail Mary, they got the, the gutty win over uh, Kentucky with Luke Del Rio and in Lexington, and then a lot of people thought Vanderbilt would give them a test, and they did, but they somehow, some way, found a way to get that victory. Now, this is still an athletic defense. They haven't shown it in terms of LSU's presence, especially last week against Troy and certainly didn't show it against Mississippi State, but something tells me again they'll be aggressive back against the wall. And, you and think Florida's it's a back without the wall. their starting leading wide receiver in this ball game. That's two receivers, be, right? Are that's going to yeah. be that's going to be a, a big cause of concern for the Gators' offense. Felipe Franks, he's still an inexperienced quarterback. Danny Etling, call it what it is, still completing sixty percent of his passes. I think LSU gets the upset, but we'll see. That's why we break it down. Keep it where it is. When we come back, we'll be breaking down Wisconsin and Nebraska. Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello. Live from Studio 34, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Hey. 
Hey, this is Greg Sussman from the Roto Experts in the Morning. And, and listen, we can all use a little help sometimes. That's why I talk to three guys every single day that help me with my fantasy teams. But if you need help with your fantasy teams, and you probably do, you should purchase the Roto Experts Exclusive Edge Fantasy Football In-Season Package, featuring weekly lineup ranks, chats with our experts every single day, and player cards for every player in the NFL, including reports from InsideInjuries.com. You cannot beat it. Don't set your lineups without checking the Roto Experts Exclusive Edge In-Season Package. Another Big Ten battle taking place in Memorial Stadium later tonight. Wisconsin and Nebraska. Wisconsin off a dominating home win over Northwestern. Nebraska off a dominating road win over Illinois. Wisconsin's won the last four games by 20 and a half points per game. But this game did go to overtime last year before the Badgers prevailed by six points. Rich. Very tough ball game, but I lean to the Wisconsin defense that's holding opposing offenses to 74 passing yards per game. I think they get it done. I think they win this ball game by 17 points or more later today. I agree with you. I understand it's a tough spot to play, but you know, Nebraska has not been Nebraska at home for quite some time. Struggled earlier this year, lost in Lincoln to Northern Illinois. So, you know, that mystique of Lincoln, I, I think is not what it used to be. Wisconsin, I just marvel at, at that program. Uh, from Paul Chris down, you know, remember in the summer we talked to Jerry DiNardo. He, he mentioned he's a, he's a little worried about the Wisconsin defense, another defensive coordinator change, Jim Leonard, who's a young D.C., now at the helm. And Wisconsin just has this habit of taking – Kids that we didn't talk about during their high school years, probably didn't talk about earlier in their college careers, who are now excelling in Madison. Natrell Jamison, Garrett Dooley, uh, Dakota Dixon, the safety, Connor Sheehy up front. They are just a well-oiled machine. Such a great collaboration on defense. On the other side, you've got Nebraska and Tanner Lee. I had high hopes, and maybe he still turns it around, the two-lane transfer. But that quarterback for Nebraska has been a turnover machine. Trey Bryant, their running back, is not going to play, so they have to dig a little bit deeper into the depth chart. And although Nebraska has played better, Joe, it was against Rutgers in Illinois. Now with the step-up in weight class, a big game in the Big Ten West, on the road or not, I like Wisconsin. I think Alex Hornibrook on offense, Jonathan Taylor. That is just such a good, solid football team. I think if Nebraska does pull off the upset later today, they're going to have to pass the football. Tanner Lee did look better last week. He threw for three touchdowns. He's only completing 54% of his passes. Ten touchdowns, nine interceptions. But he has two big play wide receivers, Stanley Morgan Jr. and Pearson L. that have combined for 47 receptions, eight receiving touchdowns. There's only been one team this year that has passed for over 100 yards on that Wisconsin defense. It was Lane Kiffin and FAU. When you think about that, they got blown out in Camp Randall for the most part. Played well, but still, that was the only team that passed for over 100 yards on that Wisconsin defense. It's going to be a tall order later today. Yeah, it, it is going to be a tall order. And, and for those who you know like to wager or look at trends, Wisconsin's 7-0 and in their last seven road games against the spread. And the reason for that, in my opinion, is... You know, if you if your game is based on quarterback play, sometimes that's tough on the road, right? The crowd gets in your head, the quarterback gets a little bit shaky, but defense travels well. 
ground games travel well, and Wisconsin is deeply rooted in its defense and its ability to ground and pound between the tackles. That formula hasn't changed. Defensively rock solid. They'll run the ball with Jonathan Taylor. They now have a more competent quarterback in Alex Hornibrook. I was not impressed by Wisconsin last week against Northwestern. I thought they struggled. Offensively, they struggled. Had a hard time running the ball. So if Nebraska has a shot... It's going to have to be the defense keeping them in the game because I don't have a lot of faith in Tanner Lee against that Badger defense. So I think it'll be relatively low scoring. But at the end, I think Wisconsin just continues to grind on. I think double-digit victory, they get the cover in Lincoln. And they're going to have to force turnovers. That'll be critical. Wisconsin was able to force turnovers against Northwestern and score off their turnovers. If Nebraska gets the victory tonight, they're going to need to force Hornerbrook over and give their offense a short field. I think the one thing when you look at when you look at uh, Wisconsin is their ability to really mix up play calling. And when you look at Mike Riley, another coach we mentioned, Kevin Sumlin, he's on the hot seat as yeah. well. He could be a lame duck head coach. A lot of uh, rumblings <laughs> about Scott Frost at UCF. That makes so, a lot of sense so to he me. he needs to be aggressive as well. I mean, there's nothing to lose in this ball game. so roll the dice and be aggressive early on to get Tanner Lee into a rhythm. Yeah, you, you, if you're Mike Riley at this point, even though it's just year two, you have to do something to uh, incite the locals, to get people excited again, to put your program on the national map. And beating a highly ranked Wisconsin team would certainly qualify. You mentioned Scott Frost. I mean, that, to me, makes a lot of connect-the-dots sense. I mean, he's doing an incredible job so far. He's only in his second season at UCF, but the Knights are undefeated, looking as if they might be contending for a New Year's Six Bowl game. Scott Frost is young, very smart. He's been around a lot of head coaches, uh, prominent head coaches throughout his career. Came from Oregon, where he was briefly the offensive coordinator. So, you know, Scott Frost down in Orlando looming behind the shoulder of Mike Riley. I think there's a lot of pressure because you now have a new AD coming in at Nebraska who might want to handpick his next head coach. So big game for Nebraska. And meanwhile, you know, Wisconsin just continues to roll on. Again, I, I love this program. Not fancy, not a lot of bells and whistles. Just keep winning, though. Nebraska, very solid in run support, though. Holding opposing offenses to 105 rushing yards on the ground. If they can make Hornerbrook one-dimensional, put them in third down and long situations, get that home field advantage back there in Memorial Stadium, it could be a ball game. We'll see. I mean, the one thing I think that when you look at this ball game last year was the mobility of Tommy Armstrong. He created outside the pocket, put a lot of pressure on Wisconsin's defense on the perimeter. This is a Wisconsin defense last week that sacked Clayton Thor eight times in that ball game prototypical drop back passer in Tanner Lee yeah I mean he's more stationary I, I wouldn't say that he's immobile but he's not the kind of player you know where that he's going to be though you know you know where he's going to be and, and he's not going to make plays with his legs there are no design plays in that Nebraska offense for uh, Tanner Lee outside of the pocket and again Trey Bryan who got off to a really good start this year for Nebraska unable to go so they're going to yeah running back rotation is going to be a little bit thinner I, I'm interested in the Nebraska defense because Carlos Davis a lot of those defenders have played well recently but there are certain teams I think about Ohio State you know Ohio State has gotten healthy since Oklahoma but how much of it has to do with the competition same thing with Nebraska Rutgers 
Illinois, albeit on the road, those are two bottom feeders in the Big Ten. Can Nebraska raise the level of their play now that Wisconsin is in their building? We'll see. I think it'll be close early on. In the end, I do have Wisconsin winning it. I think it's high scoring, though. 37-20, to 20, Wisconsin gets the victory, and they cover the 13-and-a-half later today. We're in agreement. I, I, I have Wisconsin as well. Let's turn our attention to a marquee battle. I mean, back in the day, this was college football. Miami, Florida State. Florida State has won the last seven games by 11.7 points per game. A very lackluster victory in Salem. Winston-Salem last week scoring within the last minute of the game to really save that game against Wake Forest. Now they come back home. They have not looked good. Offensive line concerns and this is a Miami defense Rich that's holding opposing offenses to 135 rushing yards per game. That could be the difference later today. Yeah, I mean, the storyline for Florida State, a couple. I mean, DeAndre Francois being lost in the opener to Alabama obviously changed the entire tenor of the season. We now have James Blackman, true freshman, thin kid, inexperienced kid. And, and the last thing you want with a true freshman quarterback is someone who does not have a clean pocket. And Florida State, last week against a good Wake Forest defense, 17 tackles for loss. So I, I mean, not only is James Blackman not able to develop, but those running backs like Jock Patrick, Cam Akers, they're getting no breathing room whatsoever. They're feeling contact shortly after the handoff. So I, the, the problem that I have for Florida State is what everybody has, which is can you defend against that front seven of Miami, which is very good. Mark Richt has a deep rotation along the defensive line. He legitimately goes too deep. By the, by, by the time you get to the second half, Joe, you're going to have fresh legs against that Florida State offensive line, which I think is going to be skittish in their attempt to protect James Blackman. Now, what do you get from Malik Rogier on the other side? The Miami quarterback played steady against Duke. He's got Mark Walton, Eamon Richards, their wide receiver is healthy. I need to see the Miami offense deliver as well against a very good Florida State defense. One quick point. I know it's it's a rivalry game, so Florida State will be motivated, but but those players that are headed to the NFL, those Derek Nottys, Derwin James, do they have the same motivation now that this team has two critical losses? I think this is the game. I'll say this about Florida State. Concerns offensively, 12 sacks through three games for our offensive line. That is unacceptable. You need to give James Blackman time to pick apart that secondary, and they're not rushing the football. 90 rushing yards heading into this ball game. They're going to need a better effort today, but I'll say this I think the the secondary of Derwin James and McFadden match up very well against the inexperienced yeah. wide receivers and to me that's why I think Jimbo Fisher somehow some way finds a way to get the victory but they're gonna have to create some pressure on Malik Rozier and this is a defensive Florida State through three games only five total sacks critical game for Miami if you want to make an announcement to the to the country that you're on the verge of actually coming back you've got to win this game at Florida State we'll pick this game up next hour when we come back, we'll be joined by former Texas A&M offensive lineman and eight-time pro bowler in the NFL, Richmond Webb. This is Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, live from Studio 34, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. All 
Are you new to Daily Fantasy? Are you a veteran? Either way, you can better your chances of winning money and lots of it by going to DailyRoto.com. Multiple people have become millionaires thanks to the guys at Daily Roto. Why not take advice from the experts? You can become a millionaire too. Just go to DailyRoto.com to rock Daily Fantasy Sports. matchup taking place in Kyle Field, College Station, number one Alabama, Texas A&M. What better way to talk about this matchup than with a star from the Aggies? He's live on the Fantasy Sports Celebrity Guest Line. Want to welcome in former Texas A&M offensive lineman, Richmond Webb. Richmond, how are you today? Hey, good morning, gentlemen. How y'all doing today? Uh, doing great. Great battle later tonight. Before we get into the breakdown, Richmond, just tell fans what the atmosphere will be in Kyle Field if they haven't experienced a night game in College Station. Yeah, um, you know, it's a primetime game, and not necessarily whether it's a uh, nighttime game, but uh, typically uh, Aggie football and go- coming down to College Station be one of the loudest places of play in the country. Um, great support from our student, um, our students, and, you know, they stand up the whole game, and uh, we're just huge on tradition, and the players really feed off of that. So it should be a good game tonight. Richmond, I, I think Kevin Sumlin has largely done a good job, especially in terms of recruiting, bringing talent to College Station. Uh, he's obviously getting a lot of heat. What's your take on the state of the Texas A&M program heading into today's game? Uh, well, you know, um, early on, I think the first game, we lost the starting quarterback, so we're playing a true true uh, freshman at quarterback, but uh, he's making strides uh, week in and week out, but now uh, I think what's really going to be the determining factor for the Aggies is I think the next four out of five is uh, big SEC games. I think Alabama, Florida, um, maybe Mississippi State. Um, I can't remember the exact, but the next four I find pretty tough for the, the, the meat of the schedule. So if we can kind of come out of this with, you know, at least two to three wins, I think that'll put us in pretty, pretty good shape. But uh, I think one of the things a lot of people look at is that. We normally start fast, and then we'll lose a game, and then we'll kind of stumble into a little slide. So um, it's going to be a little tougher with um, a true freshman quarterback. But he's been making strides, so uh, we've definitely got some challenges against us to be playing the number one team in the country, uh, Alabama. Richmond, when you you mentioned starting a true freshman in, in Kellen Mond, I feel that Kevin Sumlin has to be aggressive offensively in terms of taking it to Alabama's defense to sort of open up running lanes for Travion Williams and Keith Ford later in that ball game. How do you feel this game will play out in terms of uh, Texas A&M's ability to pass on first and second down? Uh, I think the thing that the A&M is going to almost have to do is uh, not do things to beat themselves as far as penalties, turnovers, uh, stuff like that. You know, you look at Alabama and they just don't turn the ball on over. They're a very well-disciplined team, a uh, very good team on both sides of the ball. So you can't give them anything to feed off of or turn over whatever and then allow them to turn them into points. 
um, especially on the road, that helps get the uh, crowd out of it and everything. So uh, with Kellen Mond, if I was coach, try to spread him out, uh, mix it up to where you can give him place. And try to move the chains and uh, they're out Yeah, I'm hoping that's what. Yeah, uh, Richmond. Uh, you, you mentioned Alabama. Just the consistency that they have offensively, defensively, year in, year out. Go back to your college days in the 1980s. Can you can you think of a team that is comparative to what Nick Saban has been able to do in Tuscaloosa over the past decade? <laughs> Whatever I have to say, uh, it would it would it would probably, probably I do remember them uh, consistently. Um, you know, maybe one of teams, and um, you know they were independent and in playing a conference. So you know they could play like Notre Dame, USC, and you know their big game or big rival game was typically like Florida, Florida State, and a lot of times that game would determine. You know who would end up in the national championship. So I remember uh, late eighties, nineties. Uh, University of Miami was pretty dominant like this. So it, if I had the team, it would be University of Miami. Richmond, when you look at the offensive line play in this ball game, Texas A&M is averaging two hundred and fifty-five rushing yards per game. They're going up against one of the most dominant defenses in college football in the front seven of Alabama. What can the offensive linemen do in terms of opening up holes for running backs Travion Williams and Keith Ford? Well, I, I, I think the thing is, is you know, like I said before, is you know, run the ball. You know, it might be one or two yards in the first, second quarter, but. Those can turn to three or four, or five yards in the in the uh, second half. But I think the thing is, is you got to be able to not only just run the ball, you got to be able to do the little dump passes. You know, pick up five, continue to move the chains, continue to uh, try to control the clock or the time of position. The more you can do that, uh, you have a better chance of their defense getting a little tired, a little sluggish. And uh, having to execute, and I think that's what's going to, you know, make the difference in the second half. But it's not going to be easy. But I think that's what you got to try to do today. Yeah, you know, Richmond. One of the things that that uh, I, I have found vexing, and I'm sure the fans in College Station feel the same way, is you know, A&M has the talent defensively. Twenty sacks are ranked number two nationally. But you look at the inconsistency on defense, the UCLA game, the breakdown late in that loss, the Arkansas game, which was taken into overtime. What do you think is at the root of the inconsistency for that defense so far this year? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I, I think it's frustrating. Uh, I remember the UCLA game, uh, let them back in. I think it was uh, part of it was our offense kind of stalled out in the uh, in the second half. I remember uh, I think we had two running backs that went over 100 yards a game, and it seemed like we went more to a passing uh, offense. And uh, secondary was out of position on a couple plays, and you know I think it's just designed that the longer defense is out there on the field, they get tired. They're only designed to play a certain number of plays and if they start going 
uh, beyond that, they typically get tired or uh, started to make those mental breakdowns and stuff like that. I think it played um, a factor in that. Uh, UCLA did a great job as far as, you know, coming back, executing, and then giving up fighting to win, come out and win that game. But I think the Aggies just did some things that beat themselves. We have the talent. We just got to minimize mistakes. And when you get a team down, you got to keep them down. I, I think we just got to work on being more consistent. Talk to me about Christian Kirk later today. I feel like if Texas A&M has any opportunity to pull off the upset, they need to get him involved, not just in the passing game, but on reverses, and more importantly, even on special teams, a dynamic kickoff and punt returner. How do you see Christian Kirk being utilized a little bit later tonight? Yeah, uh, I, I think in all those ways, um, he's been uh, tremendous since he stepped on on the field as a, as a true freshman, and um, when you can get a guy like that and, you know, he can make someone with, miss, make someone miss and make a huge play, you know, that, that feeds off um, the momentum for the offense, defense, and everyone. So um, he should play a huge factor in this game. And if he gets going, it can cause some problems for uh, Alabama. Richmond, give us a prediction. Uh, I, I, you know, what, what do you think will will take place tonight? Do you guys have a shot of actually uh, pulling the monumental upset? <sighs> I'm going to always ride with my Aggies, but it's, it's I think it's going to be pretty tough to upset Alabama. Uh, we're averaging 200 and something yards rushing the game, but I think they're averaging 300, and uh, with them not making. You know, they just don't do things to make them make mistakes, well-disciplined, well-coached. And if they get up on you, they normally don't allow you an opportunity to get back in the game. So um, I'm pulling for my Aggies. I'm rooting for my Aggies. But um, I think Alabama might edge us out. Richmond, great insight and information. If the Aggies win, we're definitely going to have you on next week. I, we, I, you can guarantee that, but we'll get you on as the Aggies make their way through the SEC schedule. Hey, that sounds good. Hey, guys, thanks for having me on. Y'all have a great day. I know he's not confident. He, there was a big sigh I, after I that know question. he's not confident, but I'm going to say gig him. Because yeah. I think somehow, <laughs> some way, they'll make enough plays yeah. to keep this game close. Again, it's all about can they jump up on Alabama early. Alabama is one of the best teams in the country. They jump up, they they strangle you, to, and that's their. They MO. just take the life right exactly, out of you. and that's their mo. But I think playing at home in Kyle Field, you got the crowd behind you. You roll the dice early on, jump up on Jalen Hurts, allow that defense to feel confident. Again, I don't see Texas A and M winning this game but again from a confidence perspective they can make enough plays to carry this game into the fourth quarter yeah, and, and that was you know I asked uh, I asked Richmond about defense there, there's such a, a dichotomy that defense 20 sacks this year second in the entire country they're allowing just a little over three yards per carry so they're showing flashes on defense and yet there winds up being those major breakdowns like in the loss to UCLA and the near loss against Arkansas. So, you know, Texas A&M needs to tighten up, particularly in pass defense, so Jalen Hurts 
Calvin Ridley with an opportunity to exploit that secondary, that's something that A&M has to really contend with. You know what's amazing? Last year with Deshaun Hall and Miles Garrett and Justin Evans, that defense allowed 212 rushing yards per game. Without them, they were allowing 95 rushing yards per game heading into this matchup. Now, schedule-wise, we'll see where they are at the end of the year, but entering this ball game, playing very well, especially in run support. When we come back, we'll be joined by Game Time Decisions host Gabe Morenci with his best bets for the weekend. Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonella, live from Studio 34, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ezekiel Elliott, Carl Anthony Towns, Corey Seager. Those are the rookies of the year. Much like the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. The fastest growing fantasy sports network on radio is completely free 24-7. Listen to us live at FNTSY.com slash radio or download the app right now in the Google Play Store or on iTunes. Great matchups taking place in just about an hour and 20 minutes, 12 o'clock kicks. What better way to talk best bets than with Game Time Decisions host Gabe Morenci. He's live. Gabe, how are you today? I'm ready to roll, guys. I've got more bets than John Daly and Pete Rose combined. I'm ready to <laughs> click. My finger's ready to go. Ready well, to click. Let's do it. Well, let's jump right into a 12 o'clock battle. It's Auburn and Ole Miss, a very intriguing battle. Auburn has won three of the last five by 7.6 points per game. I love Ole Miss here. How do you see this game playing out? You know what? This one didn't make my uh, my list. I can't bet on every game as much as I'd like to. Didn't make my list, but... Seems a little bit high to me here, actually. A little ambitious to be uh, laying this many points with the Auburn uh, Tigers against the program that's going to have the same uh, same team speed on the field. Getting this many points, I, uh, to me, it's dog or pass uh, in this football game. Gabe, uh, I, go, take a look at the 12 o'clock games, the early games. What, uh, which ones jump out at you? What are your best bets from the, uh, from the first slate of games? Well, as you guys know, I'm a fun guy, right? So uh, <laughs> I, I like to watch the fun uh, football games. <laughs> and how can we not have fun in a carrier dome, okay? Not because it's one of the few stadiums that actually serves alcohol. Uh, but, you know, last year at uh, the Q's and Pitt, 76-61. They put up a basketball-type-like uh, score. And I don't see any uh, any reason not to uh, to go back to the over in this football game as well. And I like the Syracuse Orange in this spot. You look at their losses, you know, very, very, very respectable. Okay, you know, does hanging with LSU look as good now after we saw what Troy did? Yes, to me, it still does. Uh, we saw what NC State uh, can do, a very, very good football team. Syracuse is able to backdoor that number. They've been absolutely destroyed uh, by uh, by Pitt over the years. Panthers has won 11 of the last 12 games that they played against the Q's. And listen, I'm not saying that, that Dino Babers has his program where he wants it to be yet. You know, I think this is a winnable football game in which whoever has the ball uh, last uh, can win this football game. I'm going to go with the home team here, and I'm going to be betting the over, and I'm expecting a lot of higher-scoring games. And if we don't get a lot of higher-scoring games uh, today, I'm in a lot of trouble. And I'm going to be going with the over uh, in this football game. More than a fair number uh, here at 64. Let's go over the number with Cuse uh, and Pitt. 
Uh, the Kansas Jayhawks. You know, something that's interesting about the Kansas Jayhawks, if somebody asked you what are the Kansas Jayhawks in a red zone this year, I doubt you'd say 16 of 17. But that's exactly what they are. The Kansas Jayhawks uh, you know, scored 32 points a game. They're giving up 39 points a game. I'm not a mathematician, but that's not very good when you're taking on a Texas Tech team that drops 42. Here's another one. I find that uh, cappers, fantasy players, we try to overcomplicate things uh, sometimes and uh, make things more difficult than they have to be. This one's very simple. They're probably going to get to a 90, 95 in this, uh, in this football game. I'm looking at a big track meet here with Texas Tech uh, and the Kansas Jayhawks as well in the early game. I actually like Kansas in that matchup. I, I, when you look at Texas Tech overall, Gabe, we spoke about it last week. They're 9-19 and 19 over the last three years in Big 12 competition. Uh, coming off a disappointing loss to Oklahoma State. They were in that ball game. You called it from start to finish. Could see a little bit of an emotional letdown. So I, I like Kansas in, the, in that ball game. Another Big 12 game that I like is Iowa State getting the big points against Oklahoma. Oklahoma's won 18 straight. Last loss came in 1990. They're wearing all red uniforms today, but they do have Texas on deck. Even without Jacob Park, I like Iowa State here. You know what? I wanted to take the over in this football game as well, but I just can't do it with the quarterback situation uh, with Iowa State uh, right now. Maybe if this was planned, uh, if it wasn't such a last-second thing, but I can't get in front of Oklahoma uh, this, this is a good Oklahoma team that likes to uh, likes to run up the score on people. It's a conference game. It's a lot of points, though. As you stated, it's a lot of points to be laying when you have big games on deck. Uh, but with the quarterback situation, the way that it is, I've just I've got to stay away. I do like another Big 12 game, and we're talking about a letdown here. And I'm talking about uh, Texas Christian. Um, I didn't realize they used to be the Fighting Preachers. That's even a cooler name, um, as opposed to the Horn Frogs. Uh, but yeah, we got Texas Tech uh, and West Virginia guys. I don't see any reason why the Mountaineers can't trade points uh, with, with TCU in this spot. You know, TCU coming off that monster win. Hey, it's one thing to uh, to do it uh, when you're a favorite. Uh, you know, it's another thing to do it when you're an underdog. Uh, TCU kind of snuck up and was able to get it done against Oklahoma State. Now they're not sneaking up on anybody. Uh, this West Virginia team, uh, you know, they put up 56 points or more in three consecutive uh, football games. Did they play elite competition? No. TCU's played better competition. But if there's one thing that I know about Ken Hale over the years, and used to watch his father pitch for the Montreal Expos. Uh, one thing I know about Ken Hale is when you expect him to play poorly and you're like, man, this kid's just, you know, he's just never going to turn the corner. He turns around and, um, he, you know, he'll throw five or six touchdowns. But then when you count on him to be laying or TCU to be laying this type of points, you're in big trouble. I like West Virginia in this football game, getting the 13 points. And I also think it's going to be a high-scoring game. But uh, let's step it up a notch and talk about uh, some SEC football because I think I'm in the minority on this one. As uh, The Florida Gators were two-point favorites last night when I went to bed. When I say last night, I use that term loosely, guys, because I think it was about 5 a.m. <laughs> but uh, I'm seeing one. I'm seeing the Florida Gators at one right now. I, this Florida Gator team doesn't get any respect to me. What do they have to do? What does McIlwain have to do? All they do is win football games. You look at LSU. It wasn't a fluke that they lost Detroit. People keep waiting. Well, LSU, no, no, now it's a conference game. They're going to flick the switch. There is no switch to flip. All right. When you flip the switch and you turn it on and you see that that Atling's your quarterback, 
you turn it off because you'd rather be in the dark. Oh, God, no. Dude, you turn the switch off. There's a couple of mysteries, all right, guys? What the hell's going on at Area 51? <laughs> well, what really happened on the grassy knoll? And why can't LSU get a quarterback? And, yeah, this Florida Gator team, to me, they keep on finding a way to win football games. I don't have a problem with Franks being the quarterback. The kid came in 10 of 14 last week. They moved the ball against a very good Vanderbilt defense. And for the record, I like Vanderbilt plus the points against Georgia. That's an earlier one. But I'm fired up for this Florida Gator game. And I don't think they're getting any respect. All McIlwain does is find ways to win this fo these football games. You know, I think the suspensions are a thing in the past. Let's do a Gator chop in Gainesville. Give me the Florida Gators in this football game. Yeah, I, I agree with you on all accounts, including uh, West Virginia. I think Joe and I both think West Virginia can trade blows with TCU in what should be an entertaining game. I think, I think you may have answered one of my questions. I'm going to give it to you anyway. Uh, number two, Clemson game against Wake Forest. Number seven, Georgia against Vandy. Number four, Penn State against Northwestern. Uh, how many of those games, all two touchdown favorites, how many of those games do you think are, are close in the second half? Well, I know both of you gentlemen have a lot of respect for one of the best men in the business, uh, Mark Lawrence. And, uh, you know, if you read Mark Lawrence's uh, database, you know uh, this is a week. This is the time of the year when these big favorites, uh, they get a little bit soft. I believe he calls them the fat cats. You know, they'll get a little bit soft thinking about the bigger games down the road. The odds makers starting to lay a lot of points. Now, if, as far as this Vanderbilt team is concerned, this is it for me. If they don't win today, I'm out. All right. That's what I'm I said. That, that was my exact comment. Yeah. You and you, you and you and Rich are the two cousins are together on this one. I love it. Yeah. This is my last go around with Vandy because I've loved them the last couple of weeks and they let me down. Yeah. It's sort of like uh, it's sort of like a girl that you're dating that's that's late all the time or that stood you up a couple of times, but you had a lot of fun with her. You know, you had a lot of fun with her a few times. Yeah, you're like, all right, yeah, I'm not I'm not going through this anymore. And this is it. Third time. I'm not going to throw them under the bus. Listen, the Dallas Cowboys would get uh, shut out by Alabama the way Bama's playing right now. Any shame in that game? Any shame in losing to Bama in the fashion they did? No. As I stated, I don't think the Florida Gators are getting respected. Anybody that watched that game knows it was a bad beat for us, guys. We gave it to you. I apologize for that last week. The Commodores were in that football game. It was a late touchdown uh, for, for the Florida Gators. Uh, they got that covered. So I'm not ready to say that Vandy is, is a horrible football team. And another thing is, I got to apologize. Last week was my worst week on this show for my picks. Uh, Georgia beating Tennessee. I'm not so sure what that means. I think, I think Don Bosco Prep might beat Tennessee at this point in time. <laughs> I went to Don Bosco you know, Prep. What, what, what is that game? Hey, don't, don't, yeah, that, come on, I know that, Joe. <laughs> uh, but uh, to, to me, I look, I look at this uh, this football team. And I think they might be a little bit overvalued uh, right now, Georgia, coming off that monster win against a, a tough, tough defense like Vanderbilt. I think Vanderbilt's going to short things up a little bit. Too many points to lay in this spot. Uh, an afternoon game that I'm really fired up about. When we, when we talk in an hour again, I've got a lot of late West Coast games tonight. But I, I'm once again, a little bit of line movement here. The Knolls are getting three. It's down to two and a half right now. Jimbo Fisher's never lost uh, to the Miami Hurricanes before. You know, seven straight wins. I'm not ready to get in front of a coach that doesn't lose on his home field. And I also think there's a little bit of an overreaction uh, to Florida State uh, right now. Uh, you know, Florida State, uh, let, let's look at this uh, this NC State team. Uh, you know, are NC State a good football team? Yes. All right. Florida State lost to Alabama. 
you know, obviously Blackman is the X factor here. To me, it's Rozier is the X factor. I know that Walton's back in the mix, uh, but it's very tough to go into Tallahassee and get a win. I don't think the Miami Hurricanes are ready to do it yet. I think this is where the, the Seminoles, you know, stake their claim, put a spear in the, in the center of the field, stake their claim that, you know what, enough of the pot shots uh, with the Noles. Noles aren't dead yet. Give me the Florida State Seminoles as a home underdog. Gabe, great insight. You don't, you don't hear that often. Yeah, we'll have you back next hour, breaking down the later games. Stay with us with great insight and information. He's pumped up for Florida. Florida, you, you, you yeah, and your no, cousin I, I, are pumped, I'm, I'm with pumped him. up. Yeah, yeah. That's why I love LSU, because yeah. you're with them later today. When we come back, we'll be breaking down rapid-fire games. Keep it where it is. Jim Alisi, Rich Sermonella, live from Studio 34. Friends, if you want to win at fantasy sports, wouldn't you listen to people who have already won at fantasy sports? I'm here to tell you about DailyRoto.com. Don't be intimidated by the DraftKings and FanDuel Sharks, even the fantasy draft sharks. The guys at DailyRoto.com have not only won a million dollars amongst one of the writers, but they've created three others. That's four people who have won millionaire contests from this content alone. Don't be fooled by screenshots talking about $25,000 winners from other places. Go to DailyRoto.com where they have a proven track record of creating millionaires. DailyRoto.com. Tell them Greg Sussman sent you. Rapid fire picks, Wake Forest, Clemson. Wake Forest coming off a very disappointing home loss to Florida State. Clemson dominated Virginia Tech in Blacksburg. I think Clemson continues the momentum. I just think when you look at Wake Forest defensively, I think Clemson's offense exploits that secondary later today. I I disagree. I mean, I like Wake Forest to cover. Obviously, I don't have the upset. I think Clemson wins. But I'm impressed by the Wake Forest defense. I think they're for real. This game, Joe, could look a little bit like Clemson-Boston College a few weeks ago. Low scoring Where it's low scoring. It's close for a while. Clemson pulls away. But with that defense... I think three touchdowns a good number. To yeah, we'll see course. how that plays out. It's a 3.30 kick. Keep an eye out for that. Here's a game I really like. It's Kansas State on the road against Texas and Tom Herman. Kansas State's won three of the last five by 14.6 points per game. This is a Kansas State offense that's rushing for 229 yards on the ground, 179 passing yards per game. But for me, it is Texas's defense holding opposing offenses to 96 rushing yards since that week one loss to uh, Maryland. Uh, Rich, you look at the defense, 42 rushing yards against San Jose State, 71 against USC, and 10 against Iowa State, holding opposing offenses well to 28% on third downs. I think Texas dominates this matchup by 17 points or more later today. What does Kansas State want to do to be successful? They want to run the football. They want to run the football. And Texas and Todd Orlando, their defensive coordinator, you're you're spot on, Joe. Since that Maryland game, this has been a completely different Defense and they've played two pretty good offenses, USC and Iowa State, when when Jacob Park was still there. So I've been very impressed by this Texas defense. Now the offense, 
has been a little bit skittish, inconsistent. Shane Bouchelle is not 100%. That's my only concern with this game. I don't think they take off offensively against a pretty good Kansas State defense. I think it'll be close, but I'm with Joe. I like Texas to cover because of that defense. And here's the other thing about Kansas State. Jesse Urch is not a a drop-back passer or a consistent drop-back passer, completing only 52% of his passes. If you put him in third down and long situations, he struggles in his reads and progressions. I think Tom Herman starts fast. The only caveat is Texas does have the Red River rivalry on deck with Oklahoma. Are they looking ahead? I don't think. So I think this is a focused team. Also has an extra couple of days to prepare because they played Iowa State on Thursday night. So I like Texas in this ballgame. Another intriguing ACC battle. Duke, after that disappointing home loss to Miami, goes on the road to Charlottesville. I like this Virginia team. I, I think do they're too. playing well. I like Benker, the quarterback. Yep. I think they win this ballgame convincingly yeah, later tonight. I, I agree. It's one of my better bets of the day. I think people are sleeping on Virginia. They, they have two impressive wins back-to-back at Boise State being one of them. You touch on Kirk Benkert, the former East Carolina quarterback. He's looking like he wants to play beyond Charlottesville, but he might have a shot to play on Sundays. This is one stat that stood out for me. I try not to get too mired in numbers, but Virginia, third down offense and third down defense, both top 10 in the country. So they're winning third downs. That's a big reason why Bronco Mendenhall is turning things around. And Daniel Jones, the Duke quarterback, he's lacking consistency because he's lacking time. I think that continues in the Ville today. And let's talk about Bronco Mendenhall for just a second. I mean, you look at the demise of BYU overall now. I mean, the residual effects last year carried through 9-4. and four. They lost those games, those four games by a total of eight points. But they lost again last night in Boise State. Do you think they missed Bronco Mendenhall? Yeah, it was a surprise move. I think Mendenhall was looking for a change. He was looking to kind of spice up his career a little bit. There was a little bit of tension for a while. He wasn't able to get over the hump at BYU, but there's no question. Good year for BYU last year under Kalani Sataki. This year, it's a reset in Provo. And if Virginia can win this ballgame, they'll be a step closer to becoming bowl eligible. So keep an eye out for that ballgame. It is a 3.30 kick. One more game, Notre Dame against North Carolina. Brandon Winbush is a game-time decision. I think North Carolina covers this number just because it is their Super Bowl here. I'll take Notre Dame because they're, they're, these two teams are heading in the wrong direction. Love the way the Irish are running the football. Stay Joe. with us. Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, live from New York.